I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, now joining me is Steve Magookin, former president of New York Spurs and a proud member of the Green and White Army. Obviously, we're talking about Northern Ireland here today. Steve, uh, a disappointing loss uh, to Wales the other day. Gitto Llewellyn, who is our Welsh correspondent, said that he thought that Northern Ireland was better on the day. What was your view of that match? Well, thanks for having me back, Kevin. Yeah, it was a, it was a disappointing end of the campaign, especially with that particular game, which I think could have gone either way. I mean, really, I think we, we you know, gave as good as we got. The problem is we marked Bale very, very well in the first half, put two, occasionally three men on him whenever he got the ball. But, but we just let him uh, have a little bit of space on that left wing. Uh, deep in the second half, and you know how those crosses are. You know they're so beautiful when we watch them <laughs> for uh, for Spurs. But uh, unfortunately, Gareth Gareth McCauley he had to try and get something on it. Uh, and if he hadn't, uh, Robson County was coming in behind him. It was a goal anyway. Um, but it, quite frankly, it was just a momentary lapse. I think even after the goal, we responded very well. We we tried to get back into the game. Um, but overall, very, very proud of the guys' performances and, and love Gareth McCauley even more after that particular game, regardless of, of the outcome. And, and you saw when the boys came back to, to Belfast, they had a, uh, a huge reception for them on the stage at the fan zone. And, uh, and, and really, when you look at the stats on paper, you know, we played four games, we won one, we lost three. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't look great. But as they say, we don't play on paper, we play on grass. And... Uh, and that really didn't convey the, the heart, the passion, the commitment that the players uh, showed and, and really did the, uh, did the Green-White Army proud. And I think that worked two ways as well. I mean, I was, the only game I was lucky enough to be at was the Germany game in Paris. And the, the, the fans were just incredible, absolutely incredible. And, you know, Kevin, you and I have talked about Noam Chomsky in the past. <laughs> and, uh, and Noam Chomsky famously said that sports exist to distract us from things that are more important. Uh, well, that's fair enough. And basically, after the events of the past week, we really need all the distraction we can get. But really, at that moment, um, the, the, the most important thing in the world was the, the connection, the relationship between the Green and White Army and the, and the players and Michael O'Neill. And uh, we can't tell them enough how proud we are of them. Yeah, obviously very proud of the team and what they accomplished at this tournament, even though it was just one win. It certainly <laughs> felt like a lot more. Uh, the 2-0 win was probably one of the yes. better better games and results of the tournament. Uh, because it, we had to step up for it. I mean, after after getting the strategy slightly wrong against Poland and, and playing for the draw, I mean, we knew we had to go for it against Ukraine, and, and the boys responded fantastically well. 
Yeah, uh, also, random side note, uh, Ukraine dealing with other issues of their own <laughs> with uh, Dnipro, Dnipro, the team so nice they named it twice, uh, <laughs> heading into uh, administration or, or just yeah. fully folding, which is a mess. Yeah. But uh, back to Northern Ireland, uh, which players impressed you most this tournament? Well, obviously, Michael McGovern uh, had a fantastic game against Germany. And, and also, bear in mind, he's out of contract at Hamilton Academical. So uh, hopefully that was a really good um, uh, shop window for him. I think, you know, uh, there's been an interesting debate about what sort of level he could expect to play at every week. Uh, does he play, does he become like the backup keeper for a, a more senior club that, that maybe he wouldn't get the, the playing time, but he would, he would gain the experience? Or does he go somewhere where he can, you know, play every week and, and, uh, and just uh, get better and better that way? But I think no matter what, he, he probably came out as, as probably our most impressive player. And I think he made the Opta uh, team of the first phase mm. as well, which was, which was a terrific uh, performance. What level do you think is, is his level? Like, do you think he could start in the championship? Or? Oh, I, I absolutely do. I absolutely do think he's at that level. But again, I think it comes down to would he be content to go to a, a, one of the promoted teams in the premiership, for example, and be a backup keeper? Mm. Uh, it, 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 I think an awful lot depends on whether he wants to play every day. But I, I certainly think he's capable of, of playing every day or every week. At um, I'm sorry, though, I slipped in a baseball reference there, <laughs> playing, playing every day. But um, but yeah, no, I think he's certainly at the at the higher levels of the championship. All right, uh, who else impressed for you? For well, I, I thought Ollie Norwood uh, was great, uh, plays for Reading, and his uh, set pieces, especially the one for Gareth McCauley's opening goal against Ukraine, uh, finally got everything right. I think that was part of the problem with the Poland game was we didn't make the most of the set pieces that we had. Um, so uh, I think I think Ollie is uh, a very good player, and and yeah, again, there's a lot of players. There's Ollie Ollie Norwood, um, uh, uh, Stuart Dallas, Jamie Ward at Nottingham Forest. All of those players kind of exposed themselves to a much broader audience, and I think what people took away from watching Northern Ireland who weren't familiar with our players because an awful lot of, not just Americans, but I think an awful lot of uh, fans back in the UK are not really familiar with these players on a week-to-week basis. So I think they, they would be impressed with uh, how they played above themselves, how Michael O'Neill was able to galvanize the team to you know, move forward in that way. Uh, and I think they, nobody on the team really let, them, let themselves down. Mm. And that was the impressive thing. I think everyone uh, did themselves a... A, a good turn. Yeah, that's why we avoided players that disappointed, because it would have felt pretty harsh. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Obviously, other results, uh, Republic of Ireland crash out, as do England. Do you have any personal yeah. feelings? Towards, oh, towards I'm, I'm very, very sorry for the Republic. I mean, I thought uh, the way they played against Italy was fantastic. I thought, I think we mentioned last time I was on that they were very unlucky to come up against Belgium in that group game when Belgium needed to bounce back from a poor, poor opening performance. Uh, I thought the Republic uh, tried very, very hard against France. It was always going to be an uphill climb for them after Duffy gets sent off. Uh, but, you know, France, Griezmann, two flashes of, two moments of brilliance, really, for the goals. And he probably could have had another couple as, as the game got stretched later, yeah. in, later in the game. But uh, very unlucky for the Republic. Fantastic effort again. Oh, and just going back to the fans, I mentioned about the Green and White Army. Everybody has probably seen by now the the viral clip of the Ireland fans pushing the money <laughs> the through the yeah and then fixing it exactly anyway. exactly wasn't that fantastic and I thought one of the one of the wonderful things about this tournament was the way in which certainly when I was in Paris the French responded to 
both sets of Irish fans yeah. and said, you know, we're so glad you're here. You're actually making the tournament really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, especially with the German fans as well in that particular instance. So, uh, so yeah, very disappointing for, for the Republic. But, uh, but de- definitely Martin O'Neill and, and, uh, and Roy Keane have, have a lot to build on there. And, uh, and hopefully they can, they can come up with a good World Cup qualifying campaign. As for England, I think there's, there's so much that you can say but it has probably already all been said, to, to, to be honest with you, Kevin. I mean, on the back of the whole Brexit fiasco and everything that's sort of coming as a fallout from that, uh, I mean, you know, I was just showing Kevin, actually, for you readers at home, I was just showing Kevin last week's Private Eye, the front cover of last week's Private Eye, has a particularly dour picture of the England team on the, on the steps of the plane as they're about to go to France. And, uh, oh, it must be two weeks ago then, because mm. they were just leaving. And the, the caption is, England backs Brexit. And uh, I think it's Jamie Vardy has the quote bubble saying, yeah, we'll be out of Europe in no time. <laughs> and uh, and it's really, it's it's sad but funny at the same time. I mean, a team like England should never really lose to a team like Iceland. But that's, mm. the, that's the beauty of this tournament is that over 90 minutes, anything can happen. Yeah. And actually, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I think in a way, because the tournament, the individual games haven't been tremendously exciting, mm. an awful lot right, of them. Right. But I think this has justified the 24-team format. The fact that no teams really have been so outclassed that they've been blown out of the water. Mm. Um, I think you have a situation where people will say, well, yeah, every team can be competitive for 90 minutes. And really at a tournament, and especially when you get to the knockout stages, that's all you really want to, to build in the excitement for the, yeah. for the fans. Uh, touching on the Ireland thing that you mentioned, they are actually set to receive a, a special uh, medal in Paris in recognition of their exemplary sportsmanship. Fantastic. Uh, which <laughs> broke this morning. Um, and in regards to England, I would actually be interested to get your take. Listeners of the show will be very tired of me talking about the Tottenham players at England. Yeah. Uh, what was your view on, on them as a whole? That was That's interesting. And, and what's going to be really interesting is the challenge now for Pochettino mm. to motiv- re-motivate those players. Because they had the collapse at the end of last season. The last four games of the season were, were appalling. And then the, the shambles of this Euro campaign. And I think one of the, one of the key things, really, that we talked about this before, was the fact that Dele Alli and Harry Kane just didn't seem to click uh, for England the way that they had for mm. Spurs earlier in the season. And so I think there's going to be a big challenge for Pochettino to try and pick the boys up and try and motivate them a little bit. I thought Walker was outstanding. Uh, his crossing could have been better, but the way he was getting forward. And Eric Dyer did everything that he was required to do, basically find the long balls in behind uh, in behind the fullbacks mm. uh, on many occasions. And Walker's running was relentless. Um, I think in, in the in the Iceland game, when he brought uh, he brought Wilshire on for, for Dyer, mm. uh, that's a totally understandable substitution in those circumstances they have to go for it you have to throw roll the dice and hope that something gets shaken up but up until that point i thought dyer had had performed really well so a lot of positives i think we can concentrate on you know how well the boys perform how young they are also and how limited their international experience had been up until that point Mm. but again it's psychologically it's going to be a a challenge for pochettino at, at the start of the season yeah i would agree as well getting back to northern ireland Obviously, did yourselves very proud at this tournament. Did not advance, unfortunately. But yes. where does this Northern Ireland team go from here? Obviously, a lot of historic marks were probably set yes. in this tournament. Where where do they go from here? Well, I think there's a lot to build on, but also there's a few caution points. Mm. Uh, the, the 
the bulwark of our approach has been our solid defense. That's what basically got us through the qualifying group to get to the Euros. Uh, and you've got three of our players at the back, Johnny Evans, Gareth McCauley, Craig Cathcart, who are all seasoned pr premiership pros, but they're all getting on a bit. Add Aaron Hughes into that mix. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's age becomes a factor mm -hmm. for your defenders, and that's essentially where we need solidity. The good thing is we've got Paddy McNair coming through, who I think gives us a lot of flexibility. Uh, Steve Davis also has that experience and unfortunately is getting on a bit also, as is Chris Brunt, who sadly, sadly missed this tournament, who I think would have been uh, a, a, an asset to us uh, at, this, at this particular uh, event. Uh, but there are a lot of young players who are going to be around for the next couple of tournaments who can you know, grow in experience. I, I mentioned Jimmy Ward, mentioned Stuart Dallas, Ollie Norwood's still around. Um, and of course, the man who never got a game—Will <laughs> Griggs. Will Griggs. Who it turned goodness, out was you know, not it, on fire. It, well, well, he never got a chance to prove that he was or not. So that was that was a sad thing. But um, and again, also somebody like Kyle Lafferty, what they need is constant uh, playing time. So mm -hmm. they need to, to find. You know, he, he had that uh, loan deal at Birmingham. I don't know what the situation is at the moment, but they need to be able to play at as high a level as they possibly can. Uh, every week to to advance, and I know you and I have had a conversation about what's required for young American players. Yeah. Do they need to go to Europe, or you know, the answer is yes. Yeah, to, to, <laughs> to, to basically seek out the highest level at which you can play. So our World Cup qualifying campaign starts again in the, in the fall. We've got Germany again in the qualifying group. Um, I wouldn't be as optimistic as I was going into our game in Paris about about taking them on over the two games. But we just we have to um, we have to learn we have to grow. Michael O'Neill again has signed a deal to, to to stay as manager, so I think there's a solidity there that that comes with uh, consistency. Um, we've set the bar we've set the bar pretty high, but we have to bear in mind that there are going to be some fundamental changes over the next two years. Mm. I would say so. Be careful of the wall of expectation. Yeah. Definitely good advice there. Uh, any final thoughts for this tournament? Uh, I've loved the tournament so far. I really have. I, I think it's it's slightly unfortunate the way the brackets have divided themselves yeah. out um, because you had you know Italy, Spain, Germany, France all in the one bracket. Mm. Um, gives an opportunity for Portugal, I think, on the on the other side. I think mm. if Portugal gets through, uh, good luck to Wales. Sorry, I know we haven't really mentioned them, but uh, that's going to be a challenge for them against Belgium. But again, it's going to depend on which. Belgian team shows up <laughs> on the day. Up, but... Is it you know? Is it going to be the one that that destroyed the Republic, or is it going to be the one that that fell apart against Italy? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but it's again, it's really hard to say to see anyone outside of you know Italy, um, France, Germany mm. winning it now. Yeah, I, I think the the really interesting breakdown of this is the Germany Italy. Because to beat Germany, you have to outscore them, yeah. and to beat Italy, you have to actually score. <laughs> right. So uh, that'll be that'll be very interesting. Although uh, it might get blown up by proportions, kind of like uh, the big Premier League matches between top top four clubs. Yeah. When everyone's like, "Oh, this will be a great one." Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, it's almost we'll a little see. bit. It's almost a little bit like the NBA, where you have mm. two two teams who cancel each other out. Yeah. And then it comes down to basically the last two minutes, oh, and sorry. somebody makes a, a mistake or something mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, I think I agree with you. Uh, the France Iceland game is going to be interesting it as will. well. Yeah. But I think France are just playing too well at yeah. the moment. So. I, I have hated all of the lazy lesser comparisons, but I will say the <laughs> one thing, the one comp that I can see between the two, 
is that people are inable, are incapable or unable, not enabled, <laughs> um, to explain why Iceland yeah. have done as well as they have. Like, right. the first half of the season, everyone's like, oh, Leicester can't keep doing this, yeah. they'll fall off. They never did. I think that is the one valid comparison between the two, is everybody keeps seeing Iceland against these bigger teams and saying, well, that bigger team should win. Right. But if they do it again, we'll have to really start looking into the tactics and, and the statistics mm-hmm. to see why are they able to continue doing I, this. But I, I totally agree. I think that's absolutely right. Um, and I, like you, I'm fed up with the comparisons. Because, <laughs> because what it comes down to is one game at a time. I know mm. it's an old cliche, but if you approach each game as it comes... And in a, in a tournament like this, you have to, obviously. But yeah. I think even in the qualifying, in the uh, initial stage round, Iceland did that. They played one game at a time. Like, that was the most important game that they were ever going to play. Mm. Uh, and They came through second. Probably should have finished first. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm very, very impressed with, uh, with their commitment, with their passion. They certainly uh, were more committed than England were mm. uh, in that game. And I think there was a, there was a little bit of a sense that... Uh, all England had to do was show up, and it would it would be uh, it would be over. But yeah. uh, I think I think the willingness to sacrifice is most pronounced in Gilfie Sigurdsson, yeah. who was their top goal scorer during qualification. Mm-hmm. Then they realized that in the actual tournament they need to defend a lot more, and he's been running both ways much yeah. more than we've ever seen from him at the Absolutely. club level. He's been playing really really deep. He has, and, and I think yeah. some people, especially from the fantasy side, are wondering why he's not. Yeah. getting on the score sheet, but it's because he's actually committing to defensive duties. That's right. Which he has either not never been asked to do or has never right. been willing to yeah. do previously. Well, that just shows you how, how much of a genius uh, their part-time dentist is. <laughs> that he surely is. All right, well, that is it for us now. Why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Oh, uh, you can join the conversation at NYSpurs on Twitter and uh, just follow the hashtag GAWA for Green and White Army and we'll see you at the World Cup qualifiers. Alright, thanks so much Steve. Pleasure talking. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.